Why be out there spinning your wheels when there's something out there that works? What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm Rick Jordan, your host. My guest today, Rebecca Zung. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. I'm fantastic, actually, because we're going to talk about some fun stuff. You are a divorce attorney, yeah? I am. That's really exciting because this year, divorces are up, right, with the pandemic, and it's just kind of crazy out there. Yeah. I, I I don't really practice that much anymore because I do all this stuff on YouTube and I have negotiation programs. And so um, lucky for me, I haven't had to deal with the barrage of cases coming in, but I, I <laughs> the, the small heard. uptick, right? <laughs> yes. I've heard. No, no doubt. But I'm I'm over the course of your your years, I'm sure that you have seen some stuff. Oh yeah. Everything. I I tell people nothing you can say shocks me. I've heard it all. There's no sexual thing, nothing. I've heard it all. That's nothing. Surprises. <laughs> nothing shocks surprises. you anymore. All right. No. We're, we're going to dive into some fun stuff here because it, I'm sure you've seen all these different types of divorces, you know, and I know one of your areas of specialty is dealing with narcissists. And even now, that's pretty much what your YouTube channel is about, too, right? Is how to negotiate yeah. with narcissists. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's that's in, kind in of fun. Setting. So, you know, I, I have a program called Slay Your Negotiation with the Narcissist, which mostly is for divorce, but I'm rolling out the one for business in March. Nice. That's exciting yeah. because that that happens. I mean, whether it's employees, whether it's clients or anything else, you, you totally. have. Yeah. Exactly. Of course, relationships are something that's always a big topic of concern with a lot of people and sure. everybody that you, you talk with. But do you see that it's pretty much one sided sometimes or, you know, or in your years, can it be that way to where one person kind of takes that lead role as the narcissist? <laughs> Usually, I mean, usually it's one person who's the narcissist and then the other person is usually more of what we call like an empathic person or the weaker person, just because the narcissist usually wants to attach themselves to a, a, a caring, kind person who they feel like they can get a lot of narcissistic supply from. Um, whereas... I mean, there are times that you've seen two narcissists, though, and then it's like total fire yeah. all the time. World War Three, yeah. yeah, yeah, scorched earth litigation for yeah. sure. But for everyone out there, because I mean, narcissists is used almost loosely a lot of times too. Mm -hmm. And what is your definition, or how do you view what a narcissist is? Yeah, I love that question because most people think like, oh, if I say anything nice about myself, that you know, then I must be a narcissist. Or if anybody is like, you know, any in any way thinks highly of themselves, and they have to be a narcissist. They can't just have like good self esteem or whatever, right? So I, I think it's a really good question because really, what it comes down to. Because remember, there are covert narcissists too who don't ever say anything good about themselves, right? But it's it's a person who has absolutely zero sense of self. They have no self-esteem whatsoever. 
So they attempt to derive all of their value from the external world and like in the form of money or prestige or adulation or respect. But also the flip side of that is also through controlling, devaluing, treating people poorly, you know, debasing them in some way, intimidating them. So all of that is how they get supply. So so that's one half of it, which is no internal sense of self-value. The second half of that is a person who has no ability whatsoever to feel any sense of compassion, care, or empathy for the other person. So it's both. They're really quite the peach. Yeah, <laughs> they sure are, aren't they? There's a, <laughs> there's a, we're gonna have a lot of fun. Yes, there's a, there's some things you said in there as far as your your definition of a narcissist. You know, especially the control and devaluing part. You know, have you ever seen this? Because this is my own empirical observation as well. Is when it comes to because you're talking to people that try to say something nice about themselves, you know, and they feel like they, they shouldn't or something like that. Is that typically like that, that person that might be with a narcissist? Because I'm curious with, hmm. in, in that arrangement, you know, because the devaluing thing, and I, I'm even pulling from my own past in some scenarios, you know, because I, I've been pastor in several churches as a number two. And some of the pastors that I've worked for have been this because it was jealousy involved, but one of their methods, their modus operandi was devaluing who I was. Uh, or narcissists are very much attracted to the role of a pastor. You see a lot of clergy who are narcissists because they put want they want to put themselves in these positions of being respected and looked up to and trusted yeah. and all of that sort of thing. A lot of times you see covert narcissists as clergy, frankly, um, and the covert narcissist is much better at. Um, shrouding their narcissism, um, you know, to the rest of the world, they seem like the most kind, the most compassionate, the most generous people. They only save their devaluing for the people who are like right close to them, like, you know, the number two pastor or whatever, hmm. um, because they are, they, I mean, they're, they're really very, uh, narcissists are very, um, you know, insecure people at their heart. I mean, they're extremely, they really live in this world of scarcity at its most extreme. Like if I give you anything, then that means I can't have, you know, if I make you look wow. good in any way, then somehow I look bad, you know? Wow. That's a, is that maintaining status? I mean, I'm, I'm back, my mind's going back to relationships now too, because it's almost like one has to keep themselves above the other in that scenario yes, too, right? Very much so. Very much so. Huh. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, how do you, I've got a lot of thoughts going through my head right now, but when, when they're doing this devaluing and this control, you know, and you're in like a, a relationship, you know, when you're in a fight or something like that, how the hell do you negotiate with the narcissist? <laughs> mm. So it really comes down to this. So <clears throat> and let me just kind of answer this in like a, a phases and in, in a, a little bit, because with narcissists, you're either for them or against them. I mean, there's no there's all black and white for wow. them. And okay. so if you are no longer going to be for them and they're no longer going to get that narcissistic supply from you, which is that anything that feeds their ego. Um, 
then they feel like I have to get you before you get me. I have to take you down. I want to make sure everybody thinks that you're the wrong one. I'm the right one. Um, and, and so it becomes, you know, all of their worst characteristics on steroids now. And so when you go to negotiate with them, you have to remember that in the, the world of narcissistic supply, which is, you know, remember anything that feeds their ego, subconsciously for a narcissist, there's different levels of supply for them. So there's the, what I call the diamond level supply. And the diamond level of supply is all that stuff that we talked about first, like how they look to the community, the respect, the adulation, you know, their, their reputation, all that sort of thing means the most to them. And they'll protect that at the cost of anything. And so the coal level supply, which is what I call coal level supply, it's like the, the, it burns and it gives them energy, but it's, it's not in the hierarchy of things, you know, if they have to make a choice, they're going to choose the diamond level supply. So that the key to negotiating with them is to threaten the, the diamond level supply. Like basically, I'm going to expose you in some way. I'm going to make you look bad to people that you respect in some way by letting them know what a liar you are, what a cheater you are, you know, all, all your worst wow. characteristics. Unless you settle with me in a normal, reasonable person way for something that's fair. Um, and, and so they have no choice but to do it, I call it ethically manipulating the manipulator. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. So, of course, they value a narcissist from what I'm hearing they value the way that people see them. And that's almost the biggest driver for them. So, if you threaten that in a way, or, you know, or like you, you said, ethically manipulate the manipulator, it's the only way. If you don't do this, I'm going to go tell your story. To everybody that I run across. Well, or to the judge or yeah, to, for sure. yeah. or to, you know, the other lawyers yep. or to the mediator. You want this getting out. Remember, this is what you told me two weeks ago. This is what you did me. Remember when you raised your hand to me two, you know, two months ago, whatever. Do you really want the judge knowing that? Do you really want this coming out in mediation? Is, is that right. what you're saying? Correct. Correct. Um, and, and, and a lot of times, and that's what I call leverage, you know, cause slay actually stands for strategy, leverage, anticipate, and then focus on you and your case and, and creating really strong leverage is the magic bullet. I mean, that's, that's how you smack them down and leverage does, isn't always necessarily a smoking gun like that. It isn't always, well, the person smacked me or, you know, the person gave me herpes or something. I've seen that. Um, oh, um, Sidebar. So, uh, when I was pitching TV producers a couple of years ago, my media coach had to, I had to follow this thing to the letter and I had to say chlamydia on oh, <laughs> to the, it's, it's interesting. With it's, a straight face. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was laughing because you said, I mean, who says this stuff on shows, right? Obviously you and I both do. That's funny. Anyways, let's continue. There you go. He gave me yeah, herpes. Yeah, no, okay. It's funny. It's very funny. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's like stuff that you, you collect, it, the data that you collect, the documentation yeah. that you collect, and you're able to see patterns emerge and, and things like that. For sure. That's incredible. You know, 
I love how you're positioning this too, because it, it, you're starting to reveal kind of the strategies and sort of pull back the curtain. Is, is this a subconscious thing that narcissists, or is this a conscious thing that where they see what they can accomplish and then they continue with it because they now understand that they have this power control? To be honest with you, I mean, since I'm not a narcissist, I, 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 from what I understand about it, I think it's more like subconsciously, I think that they know that they don't have this feeling of value. And I'm not saying, by the way, that human beings don't have value. It, it's, it's their own perception and feeling of themselves. Like they, they don't feel like they have value. Something happened in their childhood that caused them to believe that the world is a, a dangerous place, a scary place, a, a place where it's got to be me or you. And so it's going to have to be me, you know? Uh, and so they, they, just manipulate their way through life. And they, they, the funny thing about them is that they even lie about stuff that they don't need to lie about or stuff that's like readily verifiable. It's just like such a way of being for them because they just feel like they have to manipulate things or, or they can't have it. Um, and they're often their own worst enemy because of that. You know, a lot of times if they were just straight with people, things would actually work out a whole lot better for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, of course, the best way to avoid something is to not even get into it in the first place, right? But, uh, you know, we don't want everybody to live in fear out there and just say, you know, even a past relationship will affect me from getting into a new one. Because, I mean, what if you find the person that you like, you know, that, that really is the one that lift you up? But how do you avoid being married to one or getting into a relationship, a partner in the first place? You know, what are some like telltale signs you know, to say run? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the biggest one for, for whether it's a business partnership or a romantic partnership, it, it, they're the same. And that is that they, they do something what they call love bombing, which, you know, they come on super strong. They're the most perfect person for you. Um, you, you just can't believe this person is real. You know, they're just so amazing. Like, where have you been all my life? You're just incredible because they're really, really good at reading people. They're excellent at reading people. So they, they know how to like, look like the perfect person for you. They can like turn, kind of be a chameleon for that. So if, if it's a romantic situation, you know, and you're a super busy professional, then, you know, they're like picking up your dry cleaning, making you dinner, you know, all this stuff. They're doing all these wonderful things for you to make your life so much easier. Um, if it's a business relationship, they have all the, the best contacts. They can bring in money. They, they have the right skill set that complements yours. I mean, it's all, you know, amazing. And then they fast track it. So they immediately want to be moving in with you, getting into partnership with you and meeting your family, um, you know, like and, and cementing the deal as fast as possible. So let's get married. Um, let's, let's get this partnership going. Let's open a bank account together, you know, like the whole thing. And, and if it's happening so fast and, and the person seems so perfect, but they seem to be in a really big hurry to get going with this, then it's probably a red flag. Interesting. 
you have me thinking of a business partner I had a few years back, you know, on everything. I mean, it was literally Friday night having the conversations like, I got to have an answer by Sunday. You know, we've, yeah. we've got to dive into this, you know, and here's why. And there was 18,000 reasons as to why, you know, and sure. all of them kind of made sense too. It was crazy because even with they my do. background and in intelligence and everything, I'm reading this program like, wow, okay, well, those actually kind of make logical sense. Right. And then, and then as soon as the person is ensconced, then it all kind of starts to go south almost right away. Like now all of a sudden you realize you're doing all the work. You're the one with all the ideas. There's like passive aggressive stuff happening. Like they said they were going to do something and they're not doing it. And you're kind of like, what's going on with that? Um, or money is not being deposited into the account like it's supposed to be. Or um whatever this contact, the contacts were that they said they had, or suddenly there's some issue with. Um, and, and so, and then while all that's kind of starting to fall apart, they're also sort of devaluing you, you know, like, oh, I saw, you know, what you did there. Thanks for doing that. Um, I just cleaned it up a little bit because you had had a few mistakes in it, but I, I took care of it for you. Um, you know, little like things like that. Um, and you, it, it just starts to feel like eh, it's not feeling good anymore. Like this is not feeling right anymore, but now you're already like in it, you know, and you've already announced to the world, you're in this relationship with this person, whether it's a business or a romantic situation. So, and then you start to think, well, they seem so perfect. I mean, maybe, maybe they're just having an off day. Maybe it's just, you know, and, and, and so time continues to go on and you're still with this person and now it gets harder and harder to get rid of them. So, <laughs> that darn I know, person. I've had to deal with it. Can you tell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that damn narcissist. They're so hard to get rid of. <laughs> yeah. Just tell, asking for a friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. So this area, I mean, whether it's a partner, romantic relationship, whatever, because it's sad because people get into the relationships and then you're right. They realize, you know, at some point in time, you know, whether it's through that person always was that way or, you know, you two were both on the same page and maybe some person had no ambition, but now it's like your happiness becomes a threat to that person because it, you've decided to pursue stuff. I've seen that, you know, in, in the past too. And then it's like all of a sudden that it's like that seemed to me like a, I've seen this, you know, and you see this in relationships to where that covert narcissist can come out because all of a sudden you're pursuing your own happiness. Which is like what they liked about you in the first place. You know, they liked the fact that you were independent or that you were smart or that you had these great ideas or whatever it was. But then when you continue to be who you were, now it's a threat somehow. I mean, it's so, they're so messed up. Yeah, I hear you. That's a, I'm with you on that. It's insane. I've seen a lot of stuff even in when I was pastoring, you know, as part of a church, just different relationships and seeing some of the weirdness that happens, you know, it's like, well, what's wrong with this person going after what they want to? Isn't that great? Isn't there love and support in the relationship that's here? Or when it comes to business, what if someone else is taking the spotlight for a little while, your, your partner or whatever, because they're the one that's advancing things at this point. And all of a sudden it's like, well, what about me? A lot of times if they're good, if they're good narcissists, like good, especially the coverts. I mean, good at being it, a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. They'll couch it in some way. They won't couch it in. I'm threatened by the fact that this person is doing these things. It'll be like, 
they're treating me poorly or they're not recognizing my um, accomplishments or um, they're being verbally abusive when you just say things like, what's wrong with me pursuing my own thing? See, there you go, being verbally abusive. And, And that's like a gaslighting kind of a thing because you're like, I wasn't being abusive. Did I I say that in an abusive way? And you start like questioning your own self, right? Yeah, that's incredible. Let's say you get into the situation. Now you're in it. (laughs) You know, you're here in the muck (laughs) at this point. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) danger. And you need to cut ties with a with a business partner, with a relationship, whatever it is. We we started this route a little bit, you know, the negotiation portion, you know, and, and the best part, you know, that's the ammo, that's the leverage. You know, you said slay, right? Can you repeat that again? What's the what's yeah? So slay is my methodology, and it's develop a super strong strategy, create invincible leverage, anticipate what they're going to do, and be two steps ahead of them, and focus on you, your case, and your position. Um, And I say that with the why, because a lot of times when you're dealing with an abusive personality, you get so caught up in they're doing this and they're doing that and and they should be held accountable for this and they should be held accountable for that. And I always say like the best football teams, if they only have a good defense, that means no one's scoring any points. Right. I mean, somebody's got to be scoring points. So you really want to have a stronger offense. And so focusing on you, your case, your position is so, so critical. That's awesome. How, how do you know? I mean, in that case, you know, because you would have an attorney, whether it's a business partnership or with a with a marriage, with a divorce, and you are one, you know, what's something what's a position or what would you tell somebody to look for? And it's so interesting too, because there's so many good parallels between a, a relationship partner and a business partner. Oh, <laughs> it's, how you it's with... the same, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how would you start out and what, what advice would you give somebody who's with a, a, a relationship partner, or even a business partner, whatever it is, who's saying, hey, I found out that I'm married to this thing. You know, it's funny. I call it a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Personality is yeah, definitely a thing. You know, you as a human being, you know, we can all have compassion. But I was, I would say, I have compassion for them over there. Yeah, <laughs> I just right have on. to stay away from me. Yeah, but I send you compassion <laughs> for sure. Right on. So, and yeah, what would you say is the first step that you, you'd be like, hey, this is what you know, because the strategy is your S, right? And how do you start to develop that strategy? Because you were talking about the, the you, the, the your case at the end of it, that it also, you know, I love it because I love how your, your acronym is even bookended like that, because you're starting with a strategy and that helps you build the leverage, you know? So where do you start with that? You know, how do you go into it and saying, okay, this is my strategy? Well, I mean, there's so many different parts of a strategy, but I would say the most important part is your mindset and and feeling your own value and feeling strong enough to be able to stand up to them and knowing that you can and knowing that it's possible because millions of others have done it and and done it successfully and it, no matter how much more powerful the other side seems or how bad it seems like for you like if you don't have two nickels to rub together or whatever it is that you perceive as your hurdle to winning or getting somewhere with this, someone else has already been there and they've done it. So 
I would just say, you know, your mindset is so, so, so critical. And, and what I tell people is 80% of a, of a negotiation is won before you walk into a room. And 50%, I say, is mindset. I, I actually just interviewed Bob Proctor on Friday, and he's like, it's 95%. I'm like, I'm not going to argue with you because it may be 95%, honestly. I mean, that 95% of it is your mindset. I mean... It's so, so important to remember that you and you alone define your value and and people will think what you tell them to think, not just in a negotiation, but in anything in life. I mean, if you decide to set yourself up, you know, I remember Will Smith saying one time, I was always an A-list actor. Y'all just didn't know it yet. (laughs) It's like in his mind, he was already that before it happened. It wasn't like, oh, it happened. And then he decided he was an A-list actor. It always comes from inside first. And so you have to really believe, and I cannot stress that enough. I know people might go, oh, well, that's not helpful. I want you to tell me exactly how to like, you know, get them or whatever, but this is it. I'm telling you, you know, I mean, this is so, so, so critical. Just going into it. So, I mean, part of winning is knowing that you're going to win, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course, you have to do your research and you research both sides and you create your arguments and you do your risk assessment. And, and, and there's a hundred other things that I tell people, you know, how to do, how to develop a rapport, how to, what colors to wear, what, you know, um, how to dress or what words to use and embedded commands. And all of these things are really, really important too. But if you don't think that you can ever win, all that stuff is a bunch, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. What are one or two easy ways to disarm the narcissist before you even go into that negotiation? Because you're saying half the battle is won before you even sit down at the table, really. You know, what, what's one or two things to, where you can go in and be like, this is just going to blow the wind out of his or her sails right away? One of the things that I tell people to do is research what their arguments are going to be. And then when you go to present your arguments, after you do that, you say, and I'm expecting that you will be arguing this, or I I assume that your position is this. And here's why that's wrong, or here's why that I can refute that or whatever. So before they even have a chance to speak it, you've already spoken it for them and told them why it was it wasn't going to work for them, because that totally takes the wind out of their sails. I love that. You know, it's thank you for the validation because I did that with a business partner a few years ago. It was exactly yeah, that when, when we split. Job. When we split, I uh, there was an investment that we both put in, and it was a fifty-fifty investment. You know, and the business just because we both saw it going different ways. And this would probably be the same thing with a marriage or relationship, right? We both saw it going different ways. And I knew ahead of time that he was going to go back to, well, I put in this money, you know, ahead of time. So, of course, we would have both taken a loss on this because it was just a bad partnership to begin with. But when I walked in with the final stuff and I'm like, and here's a check for the balance of everything that you put in. That way you lost zero dollars. Through this whole thing, because I knew. So what are they going to say then? Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, wow. You know, just speechless. That was the only thing. It was about eighteen wows that came out of of his mouth at that point, and it just completely disarmed. I mean, there there was almost zero arguments at that point because I knew that that was going to be something that was contentious at the beginning because there were little signs 
ahead of time of just, you know, in the final months or so to where that those things were just kind of put out there. It's like, you know, I put money into this and all this. I'm like, okay, I see where your value is. That's cool. Yeah. 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 No, I think that was brilliant. I mean, anytime you can do that and suck this, the wind out of their sails that way, I think it's perfect. You know, I mean, another thing that you can do is start with areas that you might agree on so that you start to have like some feeling of momentum or whatever, like, Hey, look, we're, we're getting somewhere here. Yeah. Um, Does that build up their ego a little bit? Because you know, that's what they value. Well, you definitely have to build up their ego. And I, I, sometimes I call it narcissistic fluffing or bartering, you know, where you kind of like, oh, you know, in a divorce situation, you might say, oh, can you help Johnny with his math homework? You're so much better at math than I am, you know, something like that. And, and even though you might want to vomit afterwards or whatever, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, yes, I am so much better. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. What, what are some of the methods of control? Because I know that's a big, you mentioned that earlier, is that that's one of it, you know, control and devaluing. And those are probably the two words that just really stuck out of me. What are some mm -hmm. of the, the methods of that that are employed by a narcissist? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many, but I mean, obviously devaluing you and things like that, but I mean, it could be anything from, I mean, in a, in a relationship, you know, I've seen situations where, you know, guys like we looked at the odometer to see what the, the mileage was to make sure the person didn't leave their house that day or, um, you know, tracking your phone or tracking your car or um, not allowing you to see people or speak to people or, um, you know, just getting mad or having, you know, being angry, uh, especially during um, holidays or birthdays, you know, they usually make a big stink at big special occasions because they can't stand that somebody else is getting attention. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it, it's so many different things. I mean, it, it's anything that they could possibly think of it's words, it's actions, it's, um, inaction, you know, ghosting you, like, you know, you, you've been texting each other all through the whole love bomb phase for, you know, all day long for 12 hours a day. And then when they don't text you and they, you know, you haven't heard from them all day, you're like, Oh, what's going on? How come I haven't heard from you all day? Oh, how, how come you're so controlling? How come, you know, they, they, they accuse you of being controlling. Um, you, you know, I have to work, um, you know, um, things like that. I mean, it, it's really, um, Interesting. gaslighting. Yeah. Gaslighting is another one. Are you saying well, that they, we, they will project their own oh, qualities yeah. of a narcissist on you and blame you for being totally. those things? All the time. Huh. <laughs> well, totally. that's, that's shitty. <laughs> well, geez. They're not usually, you know, the most charming of people. I mean, they, they are actually very charming in the beginning and they have like this charismatic uh, way about them in the beginning. But then as you get to know them better, not yeah. so much, but so gaslighting is another huge one. You know, we agreed to that. You, you, you said that that was okay. You never had that conversation, you yeah. know, things like that. You're saying at the beginning, it's like that, but how do you discern between what's, what's real and them just being fake during that, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, just know, like if they're like really fast tracking it right away, um, just be very careful about that. You know, you might want to say, Hey, let's slow this down or sure. Let's talk about marriage, but we don't have to do it yet. I mean, you know, we can spend some time getting to know each other first and, you know, really take the time because narcissists don't have a lot of patience. They don't want to put all that investment in without being able to start taking out the, the withdrawals here pretty quickly. So they're not going to want to hang around and be nice for that long. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. That usually trails off pretty quickly in my experience too. Yes. You know, yeah. you're, you're talking like what a month, two months, something a month, like that. Yeah. A yeah. month at the most. It's yeah. Because <laughs> they're like depositing and it's like so much energy and, and they're only doing yeah. it because they want to be able to t do the withdrawals eventually. For sure. And then it's on to the next because the patients I've seen in narcissists too. And I've seen it, like I said, even in the, in the clergy or in relationships as I was counseling people, you know, it, it's not, it's not a lot of patience on the other end of a narcissist. You know, the, when you're receiving that narcissist's behavior from, from a narcissist, that's a lot of words, a lot of narcissists to say at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot of time because the patience is just not there for somebody who yeah. is a narcissist. You know, they, they can't oh. stand it because it, the, any amount of time that they have to continue putting into this something, they need the they immediate return. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to have to keep doing that. Because they don't want to have to do anything for anybody else. I mean, yeah. so they only do it if they think they're going to get something out of it. Right on. It's expectation of return for sure. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Uh, oh wow, I'm having fun. Are you having fun? I hope you are. I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. And nice. I'm liking your purple, by the way, oh, because you. you know that that's actually a good color for negotiating. Is it really? Well, I like it, that. It's then. a color of trust. Huh. I know it's luxury and. Uh, and quality, yeah, and that's yeah, fun. and and yeah. a lot of clergy wear purple. Oh, and, that's right. Oh boy, and, and it's the color of like auras and and like spiritual things. Yeah. and so it's a good color. I've done um, research into the best colors to wear for negotiating, and um, purple is one of them. Yeah, it's a calming blue color too. Blue is another yep. good one. Blue is a color of trust. Um, blues and greens, they're like colors of the planet and water, and and yeah. you know nature and things like that. So blues and greens are really good. That's why you see doctors wearing blue and For you sure. see, um, you know, and green is like the color of money and it's the color of anything like nature oriented, like, um, organic foods, things like that. Yeah. Um, so green is a good color. What are colors um, to avoid when you're going into a negotiation with a narcissist? Well, red is not like the best just because yeah. it's, it's like red is fire, red is emergency, red is blood, it's alarms, uh, red light district, red means stop. You know, so red is not the greatest color for that. Um, yellow, I've heard is like, you know, could be sort of mm. perceived as weak. Um, black is not the greatest for a guy to wear, but for a woman, it's okay. That's at least the research oh, that I've yeah. read. Yeah. Um, so, um, white is good. Um, it's like you're wearing white over here. Wow. Um, yeah. White is like the color of God and purity. And, um, so, you know, it's just all these sort of, um, um, subliminal messages that people get from, you know, 
talking to people. Yeah. So how do you give people hope who are in any kind of professional or relation, personal relationship with the narcissist right now? Well, I mean, just letting them know that I've worked with thousands of clients and, you know, I've now impacted, I mean, my YouTube channel went from zero subscribers 10 months ago to now over a hundred thousand. I have 6 million views on my channel in 10 months. So I can just tell you that people wouldn't be like, subscribing to me like crazy and buying my program sold over a thousand of my slave programs if it didn't work. And so, um, the stuff that I tell people works, it, it, you know, there is something out there. You don't have to spend years and hundreds of thousands of dollars and that's just, you know, time and money that doesn't even start talking about the mental Uh, impact that it has on you, the emotional impact that it has on you when you're still having to deal with these people. So, you know, all I can say is that um, it definitely does work. And, you know, why be out there spinning your wheels when there's something out there that works? Oh, I like that. Everyone needs to grab onto that. Why be out there spinning your wheels when there's something that works? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. You just lifted me up today. Thank you very much. I like that. Yeah. Well, you asked me to give you hope. (laughs) I know. I love hope. Hope is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yes. But when you're in this situation, you know, where can a narcissist go for or receive help? You know, because I'm talking about let's let's pretend that they're human for a moment. And (laughs) it's kind of a joke. (laughs) Where can where can they go to receive help? And is it possible for a narcissist to kind of shift? And what's that qualification maybe even too? You know, I asked, I had a psychiatrist on my show, Dr. Bandy Lee, and um, she's like Harvard trained and specializes in narcissism and all of that. And I asked her that question and, you know, she said that um, they can get help. I mean, but 99% of them don't. I mean, they're not going to admit that they need help. They're not going to go to a practitioner to, to be rehabilitated or anything. So, I mean, for most people, I would just say, if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it's probably instead of waiting it out and hoping they might change, you might want to just move on. Wow. That's the straight truth today. Dang. (laughs) By the way, I'm a big fan of straight truths, but it's sometimes you just have to be honest with where you're at right now in order to understand where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably just need to move on. Yeah. Well, that could in it of itself be a message of hope, right? Because uh, there's a lot of greater freedom ahead. And I mean, I see these yeah. things as some torture. I've seen, I, I know even in my, most of my narcissistic relationships on the receiving end, we're in the, the religious realm, right? Mm. In, in, in churches and mm-hmm. it hanging on so long when I was there just created more trauma for me. So much so. I mean, and I had the same thing. I mean, you know, with a couple of the relationships where I I had to deal with narcissists and, you know, and I kept thinking, well, if I'm kinder, it'll be better. If I'm more generous, it'll be better. If I can just um, show them that I'm there for them, it'll be better. What else can I do Um, for them? How can I show them? Yeah. And then you start to internalize, oh, it's me. That's the problem. I've been there with all these people. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's me. That's yeah, not only internalizing that it might be me, but just also thinking 
I can help them. I can, I can love them back to health or I can show them that they can trust me um, or, or whatever, but it doesn't work. It just gets worse and worse and worse. It just enables them and it just shows them that you're a great source of supply. Yeah. Is there any good match for a narcissist out there? I don't know. I'm not going to say. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. That's awesome. <laughs> Rebecca, this has been incredible for real. And, uh, you know, I've got like 18 more questions that I could ask you. But, you know, what's uh, going in this next year? I mean, what are you really focusing on this year? Because I love your channel. You know, it's awesome just in 10 months that you've built up such an amazing viewership so far. And it's because I really feel like you're giving people hope, like saying it's the hope is actually the cutting ties, right? The hope is actually the moving on. And yeah, that, totally. that's really cool. And I think, you know, uplifting people that way. But what do you see this year, you know, for what you're doing? Where are you going with this and how are you going to continue helping people? Yeah, so I have an updated slate for divorce is coming out January 20th, getting ready to roll that out. Added so much more content to it. It's it's just so so good. I'm so excited about it. And then um, March, I roll out Slay for Business, and hopefully this summer, I'll roll out the Slay certification program for lawyers and mediators and people like that, so that I can actually start to build a network around the world of people to refer people to. That's really cool. You're giving people a lot of impact. And I, I love that because you're showing people that there is an option, there is a choice that they have, and the choice is not feeding into the narcissist. Oh, that was one of the things, right? It lasts, well, can we end with this, please? What are some ways that we can enable narcissists? Yeah, we enable them by allowing them to get away with their behavior and not calling them out on it and not, you know, a lot of times people just want to go along to get along. And, you know, I, I, what's that saying? It's something like you, you um, tell people how to treat you based on what you tolerate um, something like that. And, you know, the more you just allow them to get away with it because you're trying to be the bigger person or you're trying to not get them angry at you, or you, you don't want to make a scene or you don't want to like, it, it just enables them. You're just like feeding the beast all the time. So, you know, just saying, listen, uh, the way you just spoke to me, was disrespectful and I'm, I'm not accepting that. And so when you want to talk to me in a way that's respectful, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. You don't have to get angry. You don't have to be disrespectful back. You can just like say it's not okay. That's actually really amazing device for uh, device advice for after the divorce, isn't it? Because you still have to have, especially if there's kids involved or, you know, from a business partner perspective, sometimes there's employees that are involved that you might've split with or something like that. I had that happen to me to where one stuck with me, <laughs> you know, instead of going with my partner, you know, <laughs> that, that's, it's what happened. And still there was, you know, the communication that had to happen after the fact, after the split, you know, so especially kids, I, I can imagine, you know, so I think that's just huge for after the after it to just not enable the individual that you were with because there's still going to be a narcissist after you split and there's still things especially with kids that you're going to have to worry about and and that communication especially if i would think from a from a joint custody perspective right 
Oh yeah, totally. And, and so, I mean, it, but I will say that if you are co-parenting with a narcissist, the less contact you can have, the better. I mean, if you can like do the exchanges through school and then have like a co-parenting app where you have to use that to communicate with each other, you know, the less opportunities that they have to like make you miserable, the better. Very cool. January 20th this month, the updated Slave for Divorce. Then in March, yes, it's Slave it's, for Divorce. it's already out. It's available. I do have a free gift for your listeners. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Which, yeah, which is a free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet. It's it's a 15-page ebook. It's incredible. I've had thousands of people download it. They can just go to winmynegotiation.com and grab it. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah winmynegotiation.com. Rebecca, thank you for being on. You taught me a lot today. It's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What's shaking? Thank you for joining me on the All In Podcast. Click the subscribe button and smash that bell for notifications. Text me, 312-535-8520. Follow me on social media, at Mr. Rick Jordan. See you next episode. I am Rick Jordan, and I approve this message.